Women on Screen Out Loud is proudly supported by Company 3 Toronto. Company 3 is the leading post-production provider to the world's top content creators. Welcome to Women On Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Finding the optimum work-life balance as a mother or as a filmmaker is hard enough, but navigating both, two extremely all-consuming endeavors, is a real challenge. Composer Sued Bushnak shares her perspectives on balancing a growing career while becoming a new parent, and how it took a pandemic to shift her hustler mindset into one that worked for her family while also elevating her creativity. As a career-driven, highly ambitious, Oscar-eyeing film composer in a male-dominated field, The idea of becoming a mother became a little bit more daunting every year in which my music career seemed to become more solid. This is why when my family doctor gave me the news that I was five weeks pregnant, I had mixed emotions. On the one hand, I was very, very happy. This was a natural pregnancy that happened after a failed IVF a few months prior and a miscarriage the year before. So gratitude was an understatement. On the other hand, the idea of having to take a one-year mat leave and losing momentum in my career was haunting and scary. I had worked so hard to get to where I was at that point, yet I wasn't really there yet. This would be a dangerous time to go silent, to see opportunities being taken by the other composers while I sit home nursing a baby and watching my musical dreams evaporate. Knowing myself and the itch I get from this ambition, I knew this wasn't an option. So I determined that I would not even make it an option. I went to the other extreme. I decided not to tell anyone in my professional circles that I was pregnant. I sought opportunities, scored as many films as I could, composed music for concerts, flew transatlantically to attend world premieres of my music, and went to film festivals as if nothing was happening. While seven months pregnant, I attended the full 10 days of hot docs when a film I scored had its world premiere there. I had a big trench coat, colorful scarves, and a huge handbag to camouflage the baby bump that was getting bigger by the day. I even went on stage with the team to talk about the film. Only one person I met at hot docs was able to notice the baby bump, and that's just because we became inseparable during the festival. I was still scared. I had done my homework at the beginning of my pregnancy. I asked fellow women composers in Hollywood whom amongst them was a mother and how they made it work. The revelations of large success from these composers, who were also mothers, were shocking, in a good way. I received incredible advice from them. One composer told me to read the book Bringing Up Bebe, which talks about the European style of mothering. And after reading it, I realized my Arab mom used this method. It talks about how to bring your baby on your journey as opposed to stopping your journey for your baby. The book made me determined to do it all, so I applied to the prestigious and hard-to-get-into Slate Music Residency at the Canadian Film Centre. 
If I was lucky enough to be selected, my baby would be just two weeks old when the residency began. I will deal with that when I deal with that, I thought to myself. This was an opportunity to continue my life normally and not become a stay-at-home mom unwillingly. I was shortlisted for the CFC and was called in for an interview. I was puzzled because on the one hand, if I went in showing my baby bump, I felt that any person's first impression would cloud their judgment of me. At the same time, not telling them that I was pregnant except after getting an offer would not be aligned with my own sense of integrity and respect for others. So I decided to, one, go to the interview camouflaged, two, nail the interview, and three, once knowing that I'd nailed it, reveal the pregnancy at the end of the interview and tell them that my ambition means that I will do everything in my capacity to make this residency a success. I was fortunate that the events went exactly according to my plans, and they offered me a position, letting me know that they were willing to accommodate me and my baby. The amount of support I received from them was incredible. I was bringing my son with me to class, and they offered conference rooms for him to stay in with his nanny. This residency, along with the euphoria of being able to be a mother while also pursuing film scoring, along with a group of like-minded people, only increased my drive for high achievement. I applied for awards left, right, and center, composed for films and concerts, in addition to the music projects related to the Canadian Film Center. I flew internationally with my son once he hit the two-month benchmark. He has now been on 17 different airplanes before the age of two. I won awards in Hollywood and Europe, and my drive for work was increasing by the day. I separated from my husband at the end of 2019, flew once more for my music to New York, and then the pandemic hit. Here I was, home alone with my son, no daycares open, with two feature films and a short waiting for me to score. My entire life cycle shifted. If I can't have my son in daycare on the days where he's with me and not with my ex, how will I be able to work? At the beginning, I was a little frustrated. I tried to do some work while he was around, but this didn't pan out. He was growing up and becoming more aware of his surroundings, and my work requires me to wear headphones or play music out loud, and more importantly, it's work that requires a lot of concentration. Seeing that this formula would be frustratingly unsuccessful, I tried something else. I shifted the way my brain works. Going back to the beginning, as a highly ambitious woman, my work and goals were always at the center of my brain. Even when I was with my son, and even though I enjoyed his infant years a lot, my brain, more often than not, was not fully present with him. It was always cooking the next cue, searching for the next opportunity. This is the brain of a hustler. So I toned that down and thought to myself, what would happen if I don't think about work at all when my son, Nabil Amadeus, is with me? Will I lose work? Will I miss my deadlines? Will my creativity be stunted? I did not have the privilege of a choice. It was not an option to miss seeing my son blossom into this funny little toddler with a cute personality that changes day by day. So I decided to just do it. In a worst-case scenario, I would let my directors know the reality of lockdown and lack of childcare. After all, the entire world was under lockdown. The experiment went way better than I expected. 
Here I was, spending three and a half days a week with my son, absorbing every little smile and giggle, hearing every new word, reflecting on the true color of his eyes, and having fun snuggling and tickling him. The joy this has brought to my heart and the sanity it has brought to my brain are priceless. I felt alive like I hadn't been in a long while. Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek says, My favorite season is a wad season. And even though for me, this remained true, so true were the seasons I spent being a fully present mother. And then, when Nabil Amadeus would go to his dad's for the rest of the week, all of a sudden here I was with new ideas, increased creativity, and multifold levels of concentration. I did not miss a single deadline. I wrote some of the best music I had ever written. And I did it all without sacrificing precious time with my son nor precious room space in my brain. This experiment taught me to allow things to happen. For the hustler mind, it's a bit difficult to understand the concept of the law of attraction. But this pandemic showed me so clearly that when my mind is at peace, I become a happier person, and this results in opportunities coming to me without me necessarily having to aggressively pursue them. I was fortunate to keep getting work during the pandemic, and I am now booked with projects until the beginning of 2022. Features, shorts, concert music, and even a play. These are projects that I didn't pitch for. They all came to me. I just won a prestigious Hollywood Music and Media Award, was featured on BBC and a myriad of other news outlets. If anything, my career during the pandemic has been going strong. And I owe this to what I feel is a brand new brain that I developed. One that is content, at peace, still highly ambitious, but in a secure rather than an anxious way. A brain that is present in the moment. It's amazing how being fully present as a mother has only resulted in me being fully present in my work. I am grateful that I get to fully enjoy both of these aspects of my life without having one of them take over the other. Coming up, Lara Jean and Suad expand on Suad's parenting influences, support she found throughout her community, and the newfound skills she plans to carry with her into the future. Hi, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. I'm here with Suad Bushnak. Suad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was so exciting. I remember when we did our pre-interview and we were asking you, you know, what would you want to write about? And I remember us all being on Zoom together, Farah and Jen and you and I, and and you started saying, well, I, I think I've been thinking a lot about motherhood in relation to my career, and I'm really excited about that. And it was it was really exciting to us to think that not a lot of people kind of openly talk about this. So thank you for writing about this topic and your experience. You talk about bringing up Bebe, that book, and it seemed to really speak to you. It's certainly connected with us, this idea of bringing your baby on your journey as opposed to stopping your journey for your baby. And then you mentioned your mother in relation to that concept. So Love to know. Can you share more about what that looked like for you growing up? What did you learn and admire from her example? My mother had five children, and I'm the eldest. And she was a pharmacist since the day I, you know, opened my eyes to the world. 
And she never stopped pursuing her dreams. She always had bigger dreams. You know, she was working with my dad in his pharmacy and then decided to open her own pharmacy and did that. Then she decided that we're going to move to Canada because it's a better future for everyone. And we, she did that. She's kind of the shaker, the mover and shaker in, in our family. And unfortunately, she passed away uh, 14 years ago. But it's through her example of, you know, the woman who does it all. The, mm. the woman who had a screwdriver in her handbag in case <laughs> she needed to fix a broken chair, you know, that sort of woman. She's the reason that, that I felt that motherhood doesn't necessarily have to be this thing that imprisons you home. And in a way, uh, the examples that I got from my own friends here in North America who are around my age, their motherhood examples were scary for me because they were all women who, uh, not by choice, but almost by what they thought was a societal norm or expectation, mm. decided to put their lives on hold for their children and then, you know, started becoming a bit resentful. <laughs> and yeah. the idea of this book is that you cannot give love on unless you are feeling it in your life and you cannot raise a healthy child yeah. unless you yourself are living a healthy life in all aspects, be it physically, but also on an emotional level and a career level. We've been talking a lot this season about that concept of like redefining what the societal norms are in terms of professionalism. And it's really interesting to then with you talk about redefining motherhood. You spoke to the CFC and when you were uh, interviewing for there that you were afraid almost to show your pregnancy, but you also wanted to tell them because you wanted to have integrity and respect. And it's such an understandable fear. And I mean, if we're honest, it's a pretty clear example of systematic patriarchy, but I'm going to digress there. Uh, it brought to mind this recent sentiment that someone shared with us. And they spoke to the fact that the pandemic has brought this realization that sometimes what we keep private becomes permanent. And can you speak to what that experience was like, keeping that part of you private for so many months? So for me, honestly, I think I could have been a bit more uh, vocal about it and not not having the need to hide it if I was a bit more advanced in my career. Honestly, like looking back, I kind of wish I had that privilege of just you know showcasing my belly my, my baby bump and and not worrying what people will think however you'd be surprised if i tell you during hot docs i had an interview with a film i was pitching on the film was in la so i had to go back home to to do a zoom interview and uh, when the two uh, women who interviewed me revealed that if you hear any noise these are our babies in the background mm. don't worry I got all excited and told them, well, guess what? I have a secret. I'm seven months pregnant. So they loved my pitch, but I never got the job. And I still wonder mm. if that little piece of information clouded their judgment, even though they are not even though they are women, because they are women and because they are new mothers. So because, interesting. Because they've been through it and they know it's difficult. So unfortunately, it's not just patriarchy I feel you know <laughs> sometimes it's it's other women who feel that you know you can't do anything if you're a mom these are the ones that sometimes stop in our way more than more than men who have seen uh, women in their lives lead mm. full careers while being mothers so I feel it's uh it's a question of environment and a question of like examples leading by example 
Mm, which your mother did so clearly for you. When you and Amadeus were then accepted, I'm including him in this, <laughs> when you and Nabila Amadeus were accepted into the CFC program, you spoke about the euphoria of that experience. Did that feel like a turning point of being able to embrace and be excited about your pregnancy? What was it like when they merged so positively? Totally. I mean, for me, the CFC experience wasn't just uh, life transforming on a you know, uh, on a career level, but also on a personal level, because I remember um, uh, Catherine Emsley, who interviewed me, I called her after the interview and told her, I feel that I might have put myself at a disadvantage after revealing my pregnancy. And she said something to me. She said, never second guess yourself. Mm. And these words remained with me throughout uh, that year and until now. So knowing that now I can do what I love to do while also being a mother made me a happier mother because I felt that, you know, this impending delivery of a of a human being who's going to be attached to me for life, you know, isn't something that will, will stop me from following my dreams. But also seeing an institution or an organization like the CFC embrace that gave me more hope for the world that, you know, this fear of constantly being rejected or thought of thought less of because you're a mother, you know, they were a, a great example of how, no, you know, like you earned the spot because of your talent, regardless of what your, you know, family situation is. So it gave me a sense of hope, not just a sense of happiness while I was there, but also that, oh, now I can tackle any other opportunity I, I want. Mm, it's a great example of when the system steps in and supports us emotionally and physically in some ways with child care, you know, help, etc., that we really produce better work. Totally. Like when we don't give people support, the work suffers. And when we do, it just, your brain, as you say, flourishes. It became a new brain. You went on then to, halfway through this essay, you talk about the pandemic hits and then the privilege of choice being taken away. And it really has been taken away for so many of us in so many different ways. And you began that journey then of navigating the new limitations and letting go of your hustler mind, which is such a great way of describing that that artist mind of constant ambition. So with things opening up now, what do you think you're going to carry forward from these last 18 months into the future? What What skills have you developed and want to embrace? I think the most important skill I developed is something I experienced yesterday. I was waiting for a confirmation from a film festival on whether or not I got selected for a talent lab that they have. And I didn't hear back. And under normal circumstances, I would be panicking. I would be like, oh, my gosh, I lost an opportunity. You know, I'd be sad and down. And even when I would be applying, I'd be nervous and, you know, uh, shaking because I really want this thing. And what happened was this is that. I sent my best stuff. I put in my best foot forward and I was like, if I get it, amazing. If I don't, then there's something else around the corner. And it's amazing how calm I am. And mm. I'm still ambitious. I'm still very highly ambitious. Nothing will stop in the, in, in the way of that. But it's knowing that, you know, there's always another opportunity out there. And it, it took me a pandemic to learn that. <laughs> it sounds like you've invited in some love of self. And uh, in the same way that Catherine said to you, you're, you're learning to not second guess yourself. It's really beautiful. 
Absolutely. And you nailed it. Self-love is where all this comes from. And one thing I do want to mention is that when I moved into my new place uh, four months before the pandemic with my son, I made it a point to kind of hide his stuff because if I have clients over, mm. I don't want them to see, you know, his little abacus and his little, you know, <laughs> toys. And after the pandemic, I'm like, you know what? No, it, this is he is part of me and I am part of him. And this is us as a package. And oh. and I love this. He's brought me so much joy that. If anyone has a problem with a with a little abacus or a toy <laughs> in the living room when they come to, you know, to visit my studio, then they are not the right person to work with to begin with. So prioritizing your own uh, well-being, your mental well-being and loving yourself as you are only brings people who appreciate that and who support it to you. Oh, you're talking about the laws of attraction. I just got shivers. Uh, Suha, thank you for sharing your story and giving us insight into this lovely re-envisioning of a career-minded, caring, and loving mother. Um, you are wonderful. Nabil Amadeus is wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Described as an incredible artist by the legendary Hans Zimmer, Suad is a prolific, award-winning Canadian composer of Bosnian, Syrian, and Palestinian roots who's active in the film and concert world. With more than 30 film credits and six major orchestral works to date, she has won several prestigious awards, including a Hollywood Music and Media Award and a Best Original Score Award at the Fine Arts Film Festival of the Venice Institute of Contemporary Art in LA. Her music has been heard at major international film festivals and performed at some of the world's most renowned concert venues. She has recently been selected as one of 40 composers worldwide for the Cannes Film Festival Marche de Film Spot the Composer program. See her full bio on our webpage for her many titles. Thank you, Suad, for joining us at Company 3 today. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. And check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. And I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on Screen. Thank you to Company 3 Toronto for hosting us and for continuing to support Women on Screen. This podcast was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Executive produced by Farah Marani, Lauren McKinley, and Kira Murphy. With original music by Erica Procunye. Sound captured by Devin Doucette. And sound mixed by Arturo Fuenmayor at Company 3 in Toronto.